This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. It's Monday morning at MPB. It is Deep South Dining. Carol Puckett, how are you? We are family. Yes, we are. I'm here with my radio family. Mm-hmm. It's my family of choice. Java Chapman, Malcolm White. Look forward to it every week. Every week. And here we are. Before we talk turkey, I wanted to take a moment to remember a, a dear friend of ours, Carol, Sergio Fernandez, passed oh, man. Uh, on Thanksgiving. And he, uh, many of our listeners will know, Sergio was a, one of the terrific iconic voices of wzzq back in the day was a terrific musician uh, played in the cracker jacks a band called let's eat which is very relevant to our show and then ultimately these days with jewel bass yes and and ran a wonderful recording studio that recorded many other friends that we know and many commercials uh, Fernandez Creative Services is what it was called, and it was in the building, uh, in the Hallamouse building, and he was my suite mate for almost 40 years. Yeah, and what we, a loss. And, uh, what a loss. He was a real gone cat, and we're going to miss you, Serge, and uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the memories. It was all good. All right, Carol, what's been cooking uh, in your place? Oh, there have been a lot of dishes in the oven. I had two <laughs> full ovens side by side on the oh. racks. You want to talk a little bit about your menu, your Thanksgiving menu? Yeah, it was really, really great. Um, You know, talking about your new homesteading or or family homesteading up in Virginia, you shared with me some ham last year, and it got me thinking about Virginia ham. Mm. And I ordered a Charles Henry Gray Smithville ham. Ah, um, John had 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 this somewhere when we started talking Virginia hams, and the recipe is by someone who actually worked in the Smithfield factory named Charles Henry Gray, and it has a lot of salt. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of spice. Uh huh. And it was very large. Somebody told me the Smithville Smithville hams are now in Costco. Uh, I don't know I that. Do, I don't know that. Yeah. And then, of course, there was the requisite turkey. Yes. And many, 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 many sides, many different kinds of dressing, cornbread bread dressing, oyster dressing, Ooh. and crawfish dressing. Look at you showing out with I three know, kinds showing of dressing. Out. Double? Showing three, out. Three. Not one, not two, but three dressings. And, and, I, and I hope Elizabeth's not listening because she, <laughs> she would not like at it. the radio because <laughs> she wanted the traditional. But yeah. that sounded good, Carol. Well, cornbread dressing's traditional. You did one of the two that would fit into her category That would fit into Elizabeth's yeah. category. It's of, a narrow of, uh, yeah, d- traditional. Definition. And maybe I had three because maybe I had more... And different kinds of peoples to yeah. please. Oh, yeah. You got to please the people now. Yeah. Got to well, please I, the people. I made the crab meat dressing, which I used to make oyster. Now I make crab meat. It seems to. Talk to me about it, Mel. Well, <laughs> you just put in crab meat instead of oysters. You make your dressing or stuffing. And oh, by the way, we've had a lot of conversation about the difference between stuffing and dressing. I read something over the holidays that said, hey, man. Stuffing is nothing but dressing 
jammed into the crev into the crevice of the turkey. That's it. We don't agree with that, but I made dressing. Interesting comment. Uh, I was exchanging text with our friend April McGregor this morning, asking her if she could jump on the show and talk to us about a few things. And, you know, she moved from Mississippi to North Carolina to Philly. And I'm talking Philly in Pennsylvania, not Ah, Mississippi. Cheesesteak Philly. And I asked her, I said, are you in stuffing territory? And she said, oh, my gosh, yes. So we'll have to ask her. Uh-huh. And it's also the way they say it. Stuffing? Oh. Pass the stuffing, huh. Malcolm? It's not stuffing. No, it's, please pass the stuffing. <laughs> well, bless their hearts. And what was your favorite dish at Thanksgiving? Oh, let's see. Kara made so many good things. Um, the turkey was really good. Um, and, of course, I made turkey gumbo. But we're going to talk about that when we get April uh, on the line. Uh, this cake that I brought you in Java this morning, she made a apple uh, cinnamon cake. So that's for you guys to enjoy. What do you think, Java? Oh, we're going to, as soon as we get to a break. <laughs> yeah, it's of the season, apples and cinnamon. Yeah, apples and cinnamon. Those are uh-huh. uh, some of the quintessential, I guess, wintertime, Christmastime flavors. Yeah. Starting to look a lot like Christmas. There we go. Hey, guess what else we had, Java? Mac and cheese. I gotta love it. You gotta love it. I was, um, um, you know, face face full of mac and cheese this uh, Thanksgiving. Crystal actually uh, took over those duties, and I had to grate all of this cheese. Five different. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> My usual contribution of eating, I had to add something. Oh boy, you know. But Gosh, yeah, poor Java. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you hold up. Yeah. There was five different types of cheeses in there. And, Way uh, to go, Crystal. Yeah. Make, yeah. make, him, make him earn. Make him, yeah, make him meal. work for it. That's right. Yeah, I mean, So I, you had five kinds of cheese in your mac and cheese. Yeah, we actually have a pan in the uh, refrigerator now because she made enough and she knows how near and dear to my heart. <laughs> no pun intended, it is. <laughs> now, we're in the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's, it's a segue time. Uh, yeah, segue. It's, it's not a time to let down because there is so much to do. But one of the things that happens in our house, of course, is that the pumpkins get thrown in the pumpkin patch. The mums are taken down. The Christmas tree goes up. The decorations begin. And we begin to think about the aromas of Christmas, the baked sweet potatoes, the cinnamon. So you have already transitioned to aromas. Indeed. I I still have leftovers in the refrigerator, but I believe I saw posted, did I see a picture of a Christmas tree at your house with a granddaughter in front of it? The tree is, is up. The house is decorated. I'm telling you, the mom's. And the pumpkins are gone, and Christmas has replaced it. And you are ready to have a holly jolly Christmas. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so talk talk to me about aromas. Well, I was just thinking about the things that we uh, cook or prepare, like candles that are scented uh, for the season. uh, You know, putting cinnamon sticks on the on the stove and, and and letting them cook. Putting a sweet potato in the oven. All the things like making wassail. The things that uh, sort of signal uh, the holiday seasons uh, from an aroma standpoint. That's just you know, I've known about. you for a very long time, and you have always been 
very tuned, very keen on aromas of walking into a house and yeah, the smell hits you, the smell of the roast chicken. You always mm. comment on the aromas. It gives you sometimes as much joy as thinking about the food. Yeah. When you walk into a home where you've been invited to eat and when you walk in the door, that's where my senses launch. I begin to smell what's cooking and be curious about it and how it was cooked and that sort of thing. But but I do love the smells of Christmas. Uh, a fresh tree, again, uh, some some of the uh, cinnamons and nutmegs and sweet potatoes. Ah, oh, I love it. So for those who don't have a fresh tree, those are – we put a sweet potato in the oven. <laughs> we no longer have a real tree either. We, this year we, we have uh, artificial and it is what it is. It is what it is, and it's it's okay. We we've reached a certain point in our lives where we no longer have to go haul the tree in. It's for younger folk. Now, what about foods? What do you eat between Thanksgiving and Christmas to sort of uh, get off of the turkey dressing and trimmings beat? I was thinking about that. Like, do you eat pizza? You, you, do you eat Greek and Indian and, and Mexican? Do you try to eat other foods, or do you just stay on the leftovers and and not think about I it? I stay on the leftovers, but the thing that I want to eat is less. Less. I I am so oversaturated. I don't know about you guys. What about <laughs> you, Java? Yeah, overstuffed is the right word because at um, our Thanksgiving in Louisiana, we had three different kinds of meats, all of the fixings, all of the sides. And, you know, after that, it's time to lighten the load a little bit. I'm, I think I'm gonna get into uh, some ramen noodles. This uh. yeah, that sounds delicious. I've already had our friend Donna Barksdale has already texted me this morning saying that there would be cabbage soup oh, yeah. on my porch. Yeah, cabbage soup, and maybe a little turkey gumbo. Maybe some turkey gumbo. Well, you know, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah started last night, um, and there are some mighty delicious uh, Hanukkah recipes, including the matzo ball gumbo that were shared with us a year ago in our conversation with Dr. Marcy Cohen-Ferris. And that's on our podcast. And Java, tell our listeners how they can access our podcast and hear any of our shows heretofore. Well, thank you for that, Malcolm. They can uh, <laughs> access our podcast uh, using the podcasting app, uh, any podcasting app, search Deep South Dining, or um, download the MPB Public Media app, uh, you can subscribe. It'll be, you know, right there on your phone, just like this episode after we finish. But that episode was a great one um, if you want to listen back for uh, anybody interested in uh, Jewish foods and the Jewish holiday and blending those uh, different cultures of Jewish culture and the Southern culture, hence the matzo ball gumbo <laughs> by Dr. Yeah. Ferris. Yeah. And, hey, guys, I had a couple of just miscellaneous things I need to get off my list. And one is something that I sent to you by text, I believe on Thanksgiving Day, and the headline was, I would like to report a crime in Utah. <laughs> oh, with, the, with, the, with that pickle pie? The pickle yeah. pie. <laughs> it was a pie uh-huh. in Utah. This obviously is a big thing, and it does sound like a crime to me. It was a pie crust, and it was filled with cranberry sauce mm-hmm. layered all over with dill pickle slices 
and it's a thing. Yeah. And I said, why not try it? And Java said, no way, man. No, I don't even understand. Don't think about it. How that even mixes together? Like you know, I don't understand. I, I, I don't. I didn't understand it either. But obviously, it's a Utah thing. And the other thing I wanted to report, and this is from personal observation, and then I have read on cooking and coping that many people are suffering from the same problem. It is a Frito scoop shortage. Yeah. Have you read about I mean, that? A lot of chatter about the Frito scoop shortage. Well, I just thought, you know, it was a personal thing. I've been trying for about three weeks to get Frito scoops because that's what John yeah. prefers with his sandwiches at lunch. And he was not buying the excuse. I was like, John, they're out of Frito scoops. I mean, they're regular Fritos, mm. but it's a thing. Well, I guess the supply chain. Infamous supply chain. The infamous supply chain problems. I I don't know how that should affect Fritos, but on cooking and coping, there were probably 15 comments about Frito scoop shortage and uh, people ordering, uh, offering to FedEx them to each other. That's good. That's what the. That's helpful. That's what the feel. I mean, that's why we created this family so they could share. Hey, and speaking of cooking and coping, you know, I posted about do you put cranberry relish on your turkey sandwich oh my gosh it was, what, what it was you overwhelming started. like it was like i didn't see anybody say no it was all yes yes this yes, would yes. be of a course, great thing for people to call in about uh malcolm posted, relish. Posted, you put it on your turkey sandwich yes oh, why not i mean just just at thanksgiving and christmas yeah time. yeah it's not a um you know, a, a regular Saturday afternoon type of thing. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> when it's in for the season, you'll add it. Yeah, yeah. And right. I also saw Seems that people unanimous. make a sandwich with dressing, turkey, and cranberry. I know. I, I have put dressing on a sandwich before, but uh, never thought about uh, it. Well, there's the waffles that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I've got got to talk, got to unpack the waffle situation too. Well, are we taking a call or are we taking a break? Well, we're going to get um, April on the okay. line. Okay, all right, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to look into the Deep South Dining Crystal Ball and talk a little bit about the predictions uh, for the top food trends of 2022 we want to know what's going on in your kitchen and we're real excited about getting april mcgregor on the phone and talking to us about all what's going on in her amazing kitchen so we'll be right back stay with us carol and i are coming your way Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back to Deep South Dining, right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol Puckett, Malcolm White. How are you, Carol? I'm doing great, Mal. How are you? Excellent. Most excellent. Are you going to have leftovers for lunch? Uh, no, I'm going to have lunch at Hallamow's today, uh, but uh, I have been having leftovers. I've had leftovers many times since uh, since Thanksgiving. How long do y'all hold on to the leftovers? Is today the last I'd day? I'd say uh, in a few days you should let it go. In a few days? <laughs> I like a few days from Monday the from turkey. today? turkey. 
<laughs> no, I still have some. Okay. So I'm okay. still holding on. I have green beans, mashed potatoes. Anyway, I have a whole litany of things plethora. That I'm, I'm dealing with that I'm not quite ready to let go of. But tonight we'll probably wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, okay. probably For wrap me. up. Yeah, the, the turkey should be wrapped up pretty yeah. quickly here. Yeah. I'm yeah. making tonight a cream turkey hash. It's something that John... Mm. You know, had when he was young, and also it was a famous dish at the Twenty One Club. But it's really just like shredded or yeah, chopped up turkey in a cream sauce over. You could put it over white bread or over noodles. That's yeah. that's my hoorah. Hmm. Well, each year the food writers and cookbook authors and PR people and scientists uh, get together and come up with what the trends are for the next year. They look in the crystal ball and they decide what they're going to be. So for 2022, uh, the Specialty Foods Association have determined that peppers are hot. Peppers are Well, how did they come up with that? Uh, Well, they looked into the crystal ball. (laughs) Peppers are hot. (laughs) So people are learning more and more about different types of peppers and recipes, and they're snacking, and they're putting them in condiments. And anyway, there's lots and lots of uh, things like chili crisp and dried peppers and pepper flakes, and they're hitting the market, and people are going ape over them. Also, plant-based comfort foods are in, Carol. i got to think about that, Mel. Okay. All right. There are more and more options that are plant-based, like plant-based patties, pea protein, crumbles to use in tacos, tenders, nuggets, and then there's always mac and cheese. Yeah, I've got to think about jumping on that plant-based wagon. I mean, I do love vegetarian food, but it it, it makes me a little weird to think about pro I mean like hamburger like substances. Yeah, that, it is true, but I I can speak from a uh from a family a family guy with like young children, especially with the son who has a specific palate. Mm-hmm. We have went to some plant based chicken nuggets, which are really? better, better than you know just the store bought. And he accepts that, and he accepts it, and even I accept it because I was like, wait a minute, this is not going to be the same. So you know, for anybody who's weary about jumping on that plant-based train there are some options that'll get you in the right frame of mind good to know but you know malcolm about peppers i'm glad that finally we are able to get something other than a jalapeno pepper in the grocery store yeah i mean we you know sometimes can get pasillo peppers to make like chili chilies rellenos and Uh things like that but you know when you go to mexico or Spain or to other countries, they have whole stalls with maybe twenty different kind yeah. of peppers. Well, we've and been it, a little slow getting there. We're, but we're, hopefully, we we're are turning slow. the corner on the pepper and craze. Uh, have you seen uh, any of the posts on cooking and coping about shishito peppers? I shishitos? No. You shishito? No. no. <laughs> well, you know, they're <laughs> blistered shishito peppers. Let's blister some shishitos. So shishitos are a very big thing, uh, especially at Asian restaurants. And somebody on Cooking and Coving was going like, what's the deal? I got these shishito peppers. What's the big deal? Yep. I don't know. Maybe well, we should find out. Well, I mean, out. we should tell, tell this person <clears throat> that they need to be blistered and salted. But and there's cor- another pepper that proves the theory. <laughs> peppers are hot. 
<laughs> also on the horizon for 2022 is the rise of cottage foods. you got to be kidding me. Our next guest lives in the world of cottage foods and has been making cottage foods and pickles and jams and forever. She's the queen of cottage foods. <laughs> what do you mean? It's on the horizon for 2022. They're just now catching up with April McGregor. April, are you on the phone? I am here. Thank you so much for having me on. April? Wonderful to hear your voices. Yeah, yes. it's great to hear you. Uh, you don't hear you don't I'm hear I'm not April? hearing April. Oh boy. Well, so you can talk to we April. We got a snafu. How's it going in up there up north? Um um it is going great. Yeah, we're back. We actually traveled to Mississippi for Thanksgiving and we are back um here um as of yesterday. Oh, okay. So you've been home and have already turned to the cold, cold I north, did. as Jesse Winchester yes. would say. Definitely it turned um cold while I was gone. It, um when I was in Mississippi the first morning I was there, I woke up to a thick frost on the ground and we hadn't had a frost in Philadelphia yet at that point. Oh. But it happened while I was gone. Fascinating. Well, we really appreciate you jumping on with us this morning. Um, Both Malcolm and I, when we were thinking about turkey gumbo, we always think of you. And we think of you many other times, too, like when we're talking (laughs) sweet potatoes. But your gumbo last year really inspired a lot of people on cooking and coping to make it. And we posted it on the uh, MPB website and wanted to talk about that. You and Malcolm are both big gumbo makers, so why don't y'all talk about what you did? Well, let's start with you, April, since you're our guest. Tell us uh, a little bit about your, I guess it's the turkey gumbo. Yes, so the gumbo that I generally make, um, at Thanksgiving time at least, is what we call turkey gumbo or turkey carcass gumbo. So usually... um, because I live away from my family, I'm usually traveling for Thanksgiving. So I'm the person who at Thanksgiving dinner always says, um, what are you going to do with that turkey carcass when you're done um, farming it? And I um, have many times walked away with the, with the host uh, turkey carcass and taken it home with me. I appreciate this year that. I traveled, this year I traveled pretty far. So um, we got home the day after Thanksgiving, and that night I actually went to the grocery store and bought, you know, they, they put the turkeys on really cheap the right. day after Thanksgiving. Um, and so I bought a turkey, with just three of us here, and brought it home, salted it, roasted it the next day, and already have the carcass bubbling away. So I'm a few days behind on my turkey bone gumbo, but... Um, we're we're still going to get it done. Uh, it's such a great tradition for me that I'm making it, even though um, we didn't actually have Thanksgiving here. Mm-hmm. That's uh, wonderful. I, I know I, it was published a few years ago. What yeah. magazine was that recipe in? Um, so actually, it's been a number of years back. I used to write a, a food column for Grist magazine. It's an online um, uh, magazine, and I wrote a food column um, for them for um, several years, and that that article is just great in that every year it gets this new life <laughs> where it's being passed around and passed around and passed around. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's probably had further reach than just about anything that I've ever written. You know, I see it pop up in all kinds of places. So talk to us about how you make your t- turkey st- stock. You've broken down your turkey, and now what do you do? 
So I put the turkey, um, the backbone, you know, the, the whatever's left on it um, after it's been carved and all the meat has been taken off. I, um, if there's any other meat that, you know, if you had a very um, uh, loose carver who left a lot of meat on there, you can go ahead and pull some of the bigger chunks of meat off, and I just save that, and then I'll add back to the gumbo later. But anything that's stuck to the carcass, any, if you happen to have any giblets or necks or trim or anything that's left over, put it all in the pot with the carcass, and, you know, you throw a little bit of, you can put a little um, celery or herb or, like, a little scallion, or um, sometimes I even add, like, a, a, a couple of berry, allspice berries, because it just mm-hmm. gives it a nice flavor. Do you um, chop your bones? I don't. It's not necessary if you're going to cook it long. If you're going to try to do it fast, chopping it's probably what relies. Or the other thing is you need a big pot if you have a big turkey. So if you don't have a big pot, you can, um, you know, break your carcass down into smaller pieces and do it that way. I've tried to do it in a crock pot. Um, If you have a really big turkey, it's hard in a crock pot because it's not quite um, large enough. Um, So anyway, put it in the pot. Hook or crook, however, whatever you have to do to do to do that. Get a few seasoned spices in there and a little salt, and then you're just going to let it go. Now, I cook my stocks on low. I never really want them to boil for a long time. So I just put it on there and just go all day with it. Okay, Before define a long night, time. I turn it off, let it uh, Yeah. I think of it uh, here, we said, and it warms your house. So, you know, we don't right. mind letting it um, go for when it's, when it's cold out, especially. So, you know, if you do it a couple of hours, that's long enough. But I usually let mine go five or six hours on very slow. Yeah. Um, and then I cool it, strain it, and then you have your stock. Now you're going to save that carcass when it cools down. You'll see there's a lot of meat that's kind of come loose on there. So you're going to pull that stuff off. And you can chop that and save it to the end, and they'll be. It'll, you'll add it back to your gumbo. Mm. Um, you use okra? And then just like now, I don't. Okay. I don't. So I saw that you put okra in your chicken and sausage gumbo, Malcolm. And I only put okra in my seafood gumbos. Oh. In those kind of what I think of as like inland gumbos, those uh, or like you know we also think of them as hunting gumbos because we have like duck gumbo, right. you know that kind of stuff. I don't. I usually put filet in those, and I do not use okra in those. Um, now you take know, up for okra, Malcolm. Now I love okra. I, nobody <laughs> loves okra more than me. He's not going to win this battle, but I do feel like. Um, I like filet in those gumbos, and and when I, and I and I feel like I don't do both. I usually go one one route or the other. I agree with that. <laughs> one thickener is enough. Very personal. So you know, I always tell people, I'll tell you what I do, and then you decide for yourself. Of course. You know? Wow! And then you just blend it all together. Do you use the Trinity? I mean, do you have onions and yeah, 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 and peppers and celery, garlic? Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you put bay leaves? Um, I do add some. I do. Oh, yeah, bay yeah. leaves. I love bay leaves. Yeah. My, my mom had a heavy hand with some bay leaves. Mm-hmm. She, you know, you've got to fish bay leaves out of just about everything <clears throat> she cooks. Um, 
so yeah, I do, I do all of that. I you know I make a roux uh, now for my turkey gumbo. Um, I make a, a a very dark roux. I stick with it until it gets a, a coffee color. Um, and then I, um, you know, just like I saw that you said, Malcolm, I put the Holy Trinity in there. And then some people like to add sausage to it. Some don't. I, up here, I definitely use kielbasa if I use sausage because we cannot get a decent. Um, actually, we could not get a decent andouille in North Carolina either. So right. um, I usually smoke kielbasa is just easier to find a, a quality version of. So if I use that, then I put it in then. And then, you know, I whisk the um, the hot broth into the roux, stirring it really rapidly so you don't get a, so it, you know, so it mixes better. You don't get that kind of break where it gets sort of oily looking. And yes. then once that's all in there, I simmer it again really slowly for about another hour for all the flavors to come together. And then I just add the turkey and then some parsley or sliced green onions at the end and serve it with rice. Yum. And it's dark, and it's turkey only, maybe some sausage. And how, yeah, how long sausage. does that coffee-colored roux take? Ooh, well, I mean, it really, you know, do you know about oven roux? Have you, have you guys talked about that? I've, on I've, mm-hmm. I've, heard, I've heard about them. I've never tried it. When I made yours last year, I guess it took me an hour yeah, close exactly. to an hour on the on the dark road. But I, I wanted the listeners to know when we talk about cooking it a long time, it is a long right. time. Mm-hmm. It is a long time. I always say, you know, pour a glass of wine, have somebody you're hanging out with, or you know, don't get too distracted. You just need to stand by that pot. But some people definitely have talked about oven roux and and swear by them, where you can you know leave it for a longer period of time without it burning or something. I. I have a um, I have a steel nerve. I will cook a roux on a high temperature and just stir the mess out of it, you know, to keep it from burning. Um, and I can get it done a little quicker than an hour. I can get mine done in about half an hour. But it's not for the faint of heart. You no. really have to stick with it and, you know, and, and, and you can't look away for a second. It's almost a constant stir at that, at that stage. What do you have to say, Mal? Well, I, I, I say it sounds delicious. You know, I didn't even really use a traditional roux in mine this year. I just let the okra right. be the thickener, and mm-hmm. I used some turkey base and some chicken stock and had no desire to make it any darker or any thicker than the way right. it came, you know, out of the pot. But, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, honestly, you know, how I had recipes, I never really have. I just I just cook and Whatever I find, I put in there, and I rarely, mm-hmm. you know, am a stickler for details. Um, but anyway, I, th- this is great. I, what you have prepared That was kind of why I wanted wonderful. to have this conversation, because so many people have leftovers, have turkey. Some, you know, some like me, I've frozen my turkey carcass to do it in a couple of weeks and frozen the turkey. And you can go from really one extreme of just making a – soup on the stove very mm-hmm. loosely to making mm-hmm. a really tight dark roux and uh, a full out gumbo and I think we saw a lot of different variations of that mm-hmm. over the weekend on Absolutely. cooking and coping. We did. Lots of people mm-hmm. out there making gumbo and soup. April, is it, can you stick I, around and let us talk to you a little bit in, sec, in the next segment? Or you got to go? Absolutely. 
absolutely. And yeah, because no, I'm, I'm one of the things we've been talking about, and I'm sure you had your your radio turned down, are, are trends, the 2022 trends, and one of them is the rise of cottage foods. I mean, this is... I, I heard. I it's okay. Heard. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to touch a little bit on that, uh, if, if you can hang with us when we come back from break. Once again, I was before the trends. Of course you were. You're from Bardaman, <laughs> Mississippi. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back with April and Carol, and we'll continue talking about these trends and talk a little bit about shopping and things to uh, prepare for your Christmas giving uh, for kitchen lovers. But we will come back, and we'd be happy to take your call at one 672 or if you want to shoot us an email, which someone just did, and i got to get to it on the break, it's at food at mpbonline.org. Carol and I and April will all be back after a short break. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol Puckett, Malcolm White, and our special guest today, April McGregor. Welcome back, April. Thank you. So glad to be here. Good. We got an email. Java, would you mind uh, sharing the email we got in the middle of our second segment there? Uh, yeah, I love um, Amanda uh, Anglin from uh, Cooking and Coping because she sends in the middle of the show, which is like proof positive she's listening right now. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she said uh, with, her, with her leftovers, um, cranberry sauce on a biscuit uh, with turkey. Ooh. Was what she had for um, Friday's breakfast after Thanksgiving, and then this year she spatchcocked the turkey. I think I said that right. Spatchcocked the turkey. Oh, you did. And uh, she said she would never roast a turkey any other way again. It browned beautifully and was so juicy. And she uh, sent some pictures, uh, which is why you should be a member of uh, Cooking and Coping. You see these beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, April was one of our first members of Cooking and Coping and really inspired and brought a lot of people onto the site. And for the first year, she pretty much had to answer everybody's questions because there was not a deep bench of knowledge. And I know you still do that, and we really appreciate it. And she posted all those great videos, too. I know. I, I took one of her classes on cornbread during the pandemic. Excellent. Excellent. April, one thing, before we move on, talking about leftovers is dressing. And when I texted you this morning, I said, don't you live in stuffing territory? Mm -hmm. Do you want to comment on dressing versus stuffing? Um, Sure. Um, So I I will say that I have come out at at the end of my... um, at the end of this conflict, a fan of both dressing and stuffing. Dressing will always be dearest to my heart. And then by dressing, you know, my, my grandmother always crumbled the cornbread really fine and made that sort of casserole-style dressing that's bound with eggs and fluffy and delicious. Um, and it is still by far my favorite dressing with the giblet gravy and um, 
and cranberry sauce and all that. I adore it. Can't beat it. But I have learned that with really nice French bread and crusty bread, and you can add all these different things to it, you can make a really nice stuffing as well. But I always think of stuffing as being more like sort of European-style bread or French bread sort of base. I'm still not a fan of the box stuff. I don't have that nostalgic feeling about box stuffing that, like, a lot of people have. I, d I don't have that. Um, but I do like it. And, I, you know... Um, Last year, no, a couple of years, I actually had my on my um, New Year's resolution to eat more dressing, like mm. throughout the year. Like, why are we saving it for holidays? Right. And there was this amazing, um, there was this amazing article that was, I think, at NOLA.com about like it was like fourteen dressings from like New Orleans cooks or you know Louisiana cooks, or whatever. And there was just so much variety there. You know, rice dressing, oyster dressing, shrimp. With French we could go all year with it. So I made a bunch of those, and it, it was just incredible. I loved it. Well, what about the the trend we've seen on cooking and coping with some of our uh, posters about dressing made with a Belgian waffler, taking your dressing and making waffles out of it? That sounds delicious um, to me. Yeah, anything, right, that adds a little extra crust sounds like a great idea, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, so, who came um, up with that? <laughs> I wonder yeah. why we don't make cornbread uh, in a waffle iron. That's why you don't make cornbread in a waffle iron, Malcolm. I have definitely um, gone down that route. I will put, I've said, I will put just about anything I can in my waffle maker. It's um, a very versatile um, machine. Uh, it, yeah, it, it works great, cornbread. And also corn cornmeal waffles. Bill Neal had a recipe for cornmeal waffles with fried oysters on top and it's still oh, one man. of my favorite um dishes so i've been making that for many years uh i believe felicia brown williams from jackson started this thread uh, maybe it was last year but i noticed yesterday that a number of people were doing dressing waffles one person did it with a fried egg on top um Mm -hmm. And somebody else posted, and I was going to ask you if, if this is how you would do it, too, to just take four cups of dressing and two eggs, you know, mix it up and put it on the waffle iron. Does that does that sound right? Uh, well, I, I thought there were some great comments on there where they said, you know, dressing varies very widely in its texture. Some people don't put eggs in their dressing, and it's more of a, you know, bread held together with, like, stock and stuff, um, or not held together. It's sort of a looser texture. And then others are, like, thicker. Like, I was trying to imagine mixing eggs into my grandmother's recipe for dressing, which is already quite, um, I mean, it's fluffy, but, you know, it's, it's stuck together. It's not, you can't just stir it, you know, it's not that sort of thing. Um so, you know, it said, you know, you really are going to have to use a little trial and error. But I definitely think a little bit of egg, especially in a booster dressing, is really going to help to stick it together. Because if it's not stuck together, it's going to be a mess. It's not going to, yeah. the walk water is not going to stick it together. Yeah, it's going to run all over your counter. Right. And everywhere. Thank you. Right. Well, this year I did not put eggs in my dressing. I normally do, but for I don't know why I just decided not to this year, and it was perfectly fine. It was just looser and and a little more, right. you know, a little uh, more spongy than before. No binder, 
maybe right. the same reason I didn't put roux in my turkey gumbo. Maybe I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> Malcolm, you've you're, all, you're, you're a rebel. I know, but April, don't you think he's always been somewhat of a rebel? It's like, I'm not going to oh, put, sure. put a roux in my gumbo. <laughs> okay, so sure. these poor people who... Uh, who look into their crystal balls and predict uh, f- food trends have come up with 2022 uh, a food trend being, you know, the cottage food industry. And, and you've written the book on that. So talk a little bit about what you're doing and where all that is in your world. Um, yeah, so I think that's interesting that they're saying that about 2022. I think it is a um, – I think it's a function of sort of the post-pandemic society of people – um, you know, being creative when they're having, you know, they're, they're working from home or they're, you know, need more flexibility because children are still in, you know, uh, in a lot of the world are still doing a lot of, a lot less organized activities. You know, like our theater group still hasn't come back. We are, you know, some people still aren't doing sort of full-time in-person everything. So you need, you know, especially like mom need more flexibility where you can, like do things work at work at home while also you know tending to your children's activities in school and all those types of things. So I think that could have something um, to do with that. Um, I think it's a great idea. You know, it allows people who um, who can't necessarily work full time or who need more flexible hours um, a chance to you know contribute to their family's, uh, you know, economy, well-being, uh, and all those types of things. And, and, you know, to society, you get all these different unusual personal businesses that you don't get if you've got to pay a big rent on a building and, you know, um, do all of that type of stuff. Well, do you still do the farmer markets with – I know you, you don't do farmer's daughter anymore. Do you still do farmer daughter uh, farmer markets? Um. I do not sell at those um, mm-hmm. currently. Now I do a few things where I've helped. I've been helping my brother develop a sweet potato um, hot sauce and a sweet potato wing sauce and things like that. I um, I work um, a little bit actually now in um, in restaurants, like working on building a fermentation kitchen in this. Um, it's actually a restaurant come. Um, sort of like soup kitchen where we're making actually restaurant quality meals for the community um, and uh-huh. are being funded through donations. So, you know, it's all it's all about creating, uh, you know, of what you want to see, I guess. It's not, not um, there are no standard jobs anymore. It's a, <laughs> it's a very different world out there. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, but I still frequent farmers markets and I'm very um, involved in the sort of uh, that sort of local food scene here in Philadelphia, which is, you know, exciting and we've got a lot going on, and I definitely see that it's still doing quite well. And you still have your hand, I would assume, in pickles and jams and preserves. For and sure. That, of course. Yep. She's I mean, still carrying around those jam pots. <laughs> well, I mean, the fermentation the fermentation kitchen that I have going on, that's what we do. We put it, we preserve, our, our goal is to preserve a bunch of different foods, whether we, um, get them from local farms through donations we're trying to basically create more um um, inventory that we can make these uh delicious uh local seasonal meals for the community um and we're trying to make the most of all of that you know all the donations trying to prevent food waste basically so i'm still very much involved in preserving food 
Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about the organization, just so listeners might be curious what's, sure. the, what's the name of what you're doing yeah, and where absolutely. it can be sort of seen, and maybe there's a website mm-hmm. or something? Yep, absolutely. So I am working through an organization called People's, um, The People's Kitchen um, in Philadelphia. So it's the um, People's Kitchen Philly on um, Instagram. You can find it and see a lot of the work that they're doing there. Um, it is actually run by... The people who own, um, it was started by the people who own South Philly Barbacoa, which is, um, was like the Bon Appetit best restaurant of the year in, I believe, 2017, maybe. It's been a few, number of years ago. Wow. Um, and they have been very involved in a lot of like food security, um, projects and, um, through the years. And this sort of, this, this, arm of their organization was started um, in the pandemic, both to provide work for a lot of kitchen people who were out of work because of the pandemic, and to provide um, a a steady stream of meals for people who did not have um, income, and sort of it's in in an area of the city in South Philadelphia where there's a a large population of food insecure folks. Um, so it was started by them, but it's People's Kitchen Philadelphia. You can find it online, and um, they're very active on Instagram. You can actually, um, if you follow us there, you can see um, photos of a lot of the stuff that we're doing in the kitchen and our meals and all that. Wow. Sounds, sounds amazing. Looks like we're getting some calls. Yeah, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a caller from Casiesco, Mississippi. TJ, what's going on, TJ? Yeah, I heard you talking about peppers earlier, and I'm a, I love me some peppers. Tell us about it. Yeah, it, uh, another recipe my wife learned when we lived in Mexico City was poblano de crema. Ah, yes, that sounds delicious. So you cook the peppers down and 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 cream it at the end. Is that? Yeah, that, you bliss, you blister them in the oven and then mm-hmm. peel them and then slice them about long ways, about the thickness of a string bean. And then cook it in heavy cream, and uh, oh boy, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Do you work with poblanos, uh, April, very often? Um, I lo- I love poblanos. Um, I've had a dish similar to what he's talking about, where it's, it's like that, where the poblanos are in a cream sauce, but it's actually stuffed first as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, but that's considered like a special occasion dish. Where I like the idea of just the poblanos and cream and then you can you know spoon them over whatever you want to the chicken breast or whatever um that would be really delicious yeah um, when we when I we love... lived when we lived in mexico city uh the lady that taught my wife that recipe she said that's where the mexicans ran into the french mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right so pretty good description did, yeah yeah cook it in cream that sounds terrific. That sounds you got any other pepper dishes you want to share with us here? We've only got a few minutes, DJ. Anything else going on in your pepper world? That was just a quick one. Okay. Well, we appreciate right. you uh, listening and sharing, giving us a call and telling us about the cream poblanos. Carol, you ever creamed any poblanos? I've never creamed a poblano. I, I have blistered some, but it sounds like a pretty great thing to do. Do you put peppers up? Uh, April, when you're when you're doing preserves you're and such, up. putting stuff up. <laughs> so much peppers are one of my very favorite things. Yeah. I have often said that nothing can be transformed quite equal to a pepper. It just becomes a totally different thing depending on how you put it up. 
Um, one pepper I'd like to shout out that is a, a Philadelphia and New Jersey specialty. It's called a long hot. And I have a new love affair with this pepper since moving up here. It is often roasted and then sort of um, put up in an oil and vinegar garlic mixture. And then it's often you'll find it as an addition to hoagies or cheesesteaks and that type of thing. But it's really delicious added to anything. It is hot, but it is a really succulent, delicious pepper as well. Sounds like it would be a nice condiment for peas or beans or something. Yes. And it's called oh, yeah. a and long hot? A long hot. That's right. You can get them green or red. You find them both ways. Um, they both have their um, their benefits. The red, obviously, are a little sweeter. The green, you know, have that kind of fresh, crisp green um, flavor going on. And, um, yeah, they're great. When you put them up in the oil, I drizzled the oil on top of pizza, on top of, you know, mm. um, peas or whatever. Like, some, all of that is delicious. You add just a little bit to the end of a lot of dishes, and it really just gives is a little perk up. Well, April, we want to thank you so much for agreeing to jump on with us this morning. We think about you a lot, and you're a great resource for so many of the topics that we talk about on here. And I hope you'll stay by the phone and do it again. Absolutely. I love talking about food and love um, catching up with you all every chance I get. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, April. April McGregor. We appreciate her always. Vardaman, Mississippi. That's right. She's a long way from home up in Philadelphia. That's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, folks. Philly. That's right. It's not Philadelphia, Mississippi. But we always appreciate her and... We've kept up with her for a long time, and she keeps up with us. She used to work at Howland Mouse when she was in college. I know. College. Everybody worked at Howland Mouse, Malcolm. <laughs> well, and she was in college at Millsaps. Not Java. Java's never worked. He has. I've, I've, I've eaten there. I've, I've worked at Jason, like if I go DJ yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, DJ. <laughs> She's also a volcanologist. Ooh, that's right. Studied volcanoes. <laughs> All right. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from good folks just like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, and our very special guest, April McGregor, we thank you for tuning in to Deep South Dining. Now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And please join Carol and I every Monday right here for more Deep South Dining, heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio.